This is Normando FM. It's 11.20 a.m. GST. Thanks for joining us in our last couple hours here in this time zone before moving to a new one. A new time zone that will actually have five letters in its name. Very exciting. New state, new city, new hostel, new me, new host. Because, of course, we'll get into it later. Something that our, our co-host brought up. Us, famous... FMA broadcasters, just like anyone else, we change, we change, we ebb and flow, we go up, we go down, and we'll talk about our daily changes, but also our yearly changes in this trajectory that we call La Vida. It's very exciting. First, we'd like to just recognize that it's been a kind of somber morning here in uh, Guanajuato, Guanajuato. Nothing to do with Guanajuato, Guanajuato. I have not seen any other dead dogs. Thank fucking God. I've, I've been on pins and needles. In fact, yesterday I was walking up an alley and I saw a dog lying down. And I thought, oh my God, here we fucking go again. I almost, I thought of doing a couple different things. I had my phone ready to call 911. Don't know if that would have been the, the correct response or not. And I was also thinking about saving myself, saving myself the trauma and just turning turning right back around, pretending like I didn't see anything, and just going back down that alley and up another one. Um, I decided to, to not be a coward. I decided to listen to my gut to, to help this dog in need. And I was walking up the alley, and when I got about five feet from the dog, it popped up and started barking at me. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit, it's alive. Um, so good news there. Uh, it was kind of ferocious, actually, so it wasn't wasn't just not dead, but it was alive and, and somewhat dangerous, I'd say. And I, I don't call lots of dogs dangerous, but this one seemed like, well, maybe that's, that's, what dogs, that's how dogs react when they're on death's door. No, but of course, this dog seemed, seemed healthy. It's just after an entrance into the city, like the one I experienced with just a bunch of dead dogs, um, my dead dog sensibility was, was very much heightened. So... Regardless, that's not why it's been a somber morning here in Guanajuato. It's been a somber morning because of the events that have been passed, that have been passing, pasando, that have been happening in a different country, a country very near and dear to our hearts. And you already know it, listeners, it's Colombia, Colombia. And it's been now six days of the Paro Nacional. Um, read up on it, read up on it. We, although we are political scientists at heart, this show is not, well, we'll do, a, we'll do a, quick, a quick summary. Basically, the very right-wing government tried to pass a tax reform that would have negatively affected middle-class people and the poorer people that are already suffering the economic consequences of a global pandemic. That sparked a paro nacional, huge countrywide protests that weren't just responses. They were maybe triggered by this attempted reform, but there's been, there's a lot of discontent in Colombia because of lots of social problems. Um, we've talked a little bit about these social problems on the show in the past, so, so check the tapes, check the tapes. Um, some of them include incredible inequality, economic inequality, gender inequality, racial inequality, pretty much any inequality you want, Colombia's got it. It'll serve it. They'll serve it up to you at the side of Sancocho. Here's in quality in Sancocho, which is a delicious Colombian soup. I recommend it. Don't recommend the side plate of inequality. So these protests have been going on for about five, six days, and they've been uh, met with heavy repression by part of the state, the government, um, both by the ISMAD, which is kind of the SWAT, the SWAT team anti-protest sort of unit, which is notoriously violent and ruthless, and also by the army. Um, but, you know, we were just watching some videos of, of the, the latest murders of mostly young people who are out protesting, mostly peacefully. Uh, if it's not peacefully, it's because they're, you know, breaking some windows or something, and they're just getting shot, just getting shot in the head. Uh, so that's a, it's a sombering sort of trip down... Uh, Columbia Lane there, and especially in the online community, but it's, it's important that us as the international community, I'm, ref I'm referring to all of us, we're all the international community because that's where we live. We live in the world, which is 
famously international. We need to do what we can to support. And I'm not sure how I can do it besides telling you. Um, of course, as a broadcaster, there's great responsibility. Uh, there's a Batman quote that would have been on, as with great responsibility comes great something else, comes great broadcasting. I think that's what it was. Um, but check out what's going on in Colombia. Write, write a letter to the UN, your local UN congressperson, your local UN delegate. <laughs> um, it's, it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. So that's been sombering um, and upsetting because, you know, we see these pictures from Colombia and we think of all the amazing people that we know and love in Colombia and how they've been affected how they're not only being affected by these protests and the violent reaction by the government, but also they're being affected by these, these inequalities, fundamentally affected. And that, that's not okay. That's not okay. So we've got a lot to get into. Uh, I would get into my travel plan right now, but that's going to be a surprise. We like to, you know, E.T. E.T. will know because he, of course, is filling out all the, all the paperwork, all my visas for the next state that I'm going to, you know, Mexico, it's a, it's a federalist system, so it's divided into, I think, 32 different states. So ET's working on my visa for the next state um, as, well, we don't have a, a name for that co-chair position, but he, he handles a lot of the paperwork here, and I handle a lot of the, the groundwork for now. Of course, we've had some private communication with our, with our sister station, ET, and we're very excited to know about the new advancements, the new progress that will lead to potentially finding that old elusive grandpa of ours um, and that's a new vehicle of transportation a new mode of transportation uh, we're going to be hitting the ground in Europe because you know if we don't run into grandpa up on the top of half, half dome remember my oh my oh half dome half dome and that's where we're heading um, it looks like in July grandpa might be doing a little euro trip it of course marks 75 years, the 75-year anniversary of his first Euro trip, um, back with his old his old friends from the army. Um, <laughs> that's just is this a euphemism for World, world War II? How long ago was World War II? Was it 75 years ago? Yeah, pretty much. That was his first Euro trip. Um, it was a tough one. It was a t lots of snafus and things that I don't have to deal with on these you know South America trips. He had to deal with some of them, like you know. Um, grenades and snipers. I haven't had to deal with any of that stuff. I have had to deal with some violence. In fact, yesterday I, I dealt with what I thought was an attack of some sort. I was just walking down the street. I think I was privately communicating with our sister station by, by way of WhatsApp FM. And next thing I knew, I was fucking... I don't even know, violently attacked is the only way I can really say it. I was violently attacked and everything went dark and red, which is not good. And I kind of thought, okay, am I, am I dead? You know, I'm, I'm kind of used to that death feeling now after my last intense mushroom trip. I, I know what that feels like. I'm like, I was trying to, to feel it out. It's, it was, is, it dead? is it me being dead again? And it wasn't. I felt, in fact, pain, my head and my neck, um, not intense pain, but a little bit of pain. And then I started coming to my senses and being like, okay, I think I'm alive. It's dark and red. I think I've been attacked by, by someone. You know, I think, I think back to all those horror stories in Mexico. Uh, go, if you go to Mexico, you're going to be attacked. If you go down an alley, you're going to be attacked. And this is the worst place in Mexico to come if you buy into those horror stories because this is a city of alleys. Literally, if, if you listen to the advice of, you know, your parents or your grandparents or um, books like Lonely Planet or agencies such as the Department of, of State, the State Department, I think we would say in English, the State Department, that say, if you travel to Mexico, stay away from alleys, then this city is going to be your absolute nightmare. It's just, it's just alleys. It's literally just alleys. Um... So I thought back, I said, in an instant, I thought, were they right? Am I being attacked because I'm in this alley? And then the red 
and dark, the dark red that was in my, my visual, uh, just, just my vision, started to be replaced by the world again. And I was coming back. I was coming back out of it. And what had happened is I was attacked by a red umbrella, a huge red umbrella outside of a restaurant that was supposedly there to give shade to the, the customers, the diners, decided to just go with the wind and just fucking attack your boy. And I had no idea what was going on, no idea. And I only knew when my vision was replaced, you know, the, the red, the dark red was replaced by the world. And I saw, oh my God, that's a huge fucking umbrella. And then someone said, oh my God, thank you, thank you. And it was the waiter who had thanked me for being violently attacked by his umbrella um, because two umbrellas had gone literally just flying through the air, one attacking me and the other flying down the alley, you know, 100 meters away. And so he thanked me for stopping um, with my head and neck one of those umbrellas. He seemed upset that the second umbrella did not attack anyone. No one quote unquote stopped it and that he had to run after it 100, 100 meters away. So that was something, um, you know, Mexico is full of surprises. Lots of Latin America is. Uh, you might not run into, I've had no violent sort of situations in terms of robberies or kidnappings. I have not been kidnapped, believe it or not here in Mexico, but I have been attacked, and I would consider that absolutely an attack. I felt like I had whiplash for a second. I was actually kind of hungry. I thought the guy was maybe gonna invite me to lunch, because um, I fucking quote unquote stopped his umbrella. Nothing, no thank you, take care, have a good day. And I'm just stiff neck walking away. Uh, went to a chicken place, sat down. What the fuck happened? Um, little PTSD. I then, you know, it's, it's very, very in right now. It's everywhere in Mexico. You're gonna see, uh, in all the touristic places at least, you're gonna see a street that just has umbrellas everywhere. So I, I had to walk down one of those streets to get to my chicken place. I was literally just PTSD, just umbrellas, hundreds of umbrellas everywhere. I had no idea when I was gonna get attacked. So lots of stuff going on here. Um, it's basically been fun while it's lasted, but Long story short, gotta get out of Guanajuato. Gotta get out of Guanajuato. There's a lot of G's in that sentence. Gotta get out. Gotta get out of Guanajuato. Whew, that could be a tongue twister. But of course, FM and broadcasters can handle it. Um, so we started to talk about how excited we are about a huge development in the SFG world, and that is the camper van, AKA the mobile dumping slash broadcasting station. Um, and th those two events don't have to be simultaneous. We don't have to broadcast and dump at the same time. In fact, it's not advised because you lose quality on both, on both sides. Not going to be a quality broadcast, not going to be a quality dump. Um, but we're so excited, really, really excited to hear about the camper van making its way cross borders, uh, you know, intrastate borders. Would that be, what would be called? Are there, are there states in England? I don't think so. Um, but just making it into Plymouth and E.T. having the keys. E.T. is in command. He's, he's the captain now. And we're very excited to think of not only the pleasure that he's going to get out of doing some, some handiwork around the camper van, but mostly the use that this very podcast, SFG, will get from that camper van. Um, it's going to be uh, a method a modes of transportation, a modes of adventure. It's going to be a modes of finding our our abuelita because there will be space for him to uh, to bunk up once we find him. There, this is a very musical city. I don't know if you hear the drums in the background. Every night, every night through the alleys, it's actually a very cool tradition. Um, there are these roaming troubadours. I think that's what I'd call them, but I'm not sure why. Uh, I think I've when I used to be interested in medieval history, um, which was kind of never, but from what I know about medieval history, there are troubadours and they walk around in gowns and, and robes and, and usually they have capes and they sing songs. And that's for some reason what happens in Guanajuato every night. 
there are hundreds of these troubadours. There are probably more troubadours than there are normal people. Um, but this is, right now you can probably hear that drum in the background. I don't know if it's drumming its support for the, the Colombian Pardo Nacional, because of course, usually drums take to the street as well when, when there are protests, but uh, they're not gonna hear you, bud. They're not gonna hear you. You gotta drum louder. But we can hear them and it is a little bit distracting. So we apologize if it's distracting for you as well, but we're gonna get into our show notes for now. Um, actually, before we do, we're gonna update you the rest of, there isn't a whole lot to tell about our time in Guanajuato um, besides the umbrella attack. We got here Friday, we, we broadcasted Friday. It's now Tuesday, so we've been here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four nights, um, staying in this little hostel that has had very few other guests. Um, there was gonna be another guest yesterday who came in fuming. She, I've, it, it's, it was hard not to note her negative energy from the very beginning. Um, you know what, I'm gonna go inside right now because this drum is just, oof, oof. So, is it stop? Did it stop? Nope. So, please stay tuned. In the meantime, here's a message from our sponsors. Whether it's for your garage band, jazz ensemble, or to show support for protests happening in other countries, Yamaha is the right choice for drums for you. Yamaha, the loudest in the industry. And thanks for staying tuned. I believe before those brief words from our friends at Yamaha, we were about to get into the few notable events that have happened here in Guanajuato. And they've been relatively few. I mean, most of the time has been spent kind of with, it's been defined by a newfound commitment to my new career. And I say new because in terms of thinking as a career, it kind of is new for me. but. It comes from, of course, a passion that we share and that we all know. It's being an FAMA broadcaster, FAMA broadcaster. Um, whether it's a learned skill or an innate skill, the, the science is, is still working on, on determining that answer. I think it's been a while. I think Reagan commissioned a scientific study. Hey, is FAMA broadcasting innate or learned? Because it's, it's a huge, important thing for us here. Um, to, to know that, and that'll help the trickle-down economics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if we get some broadcasters, can we teach some broadcasters to be the best, and then they'll trickle down, they'll trickle that happiness and, and comedy down to, to the rest of the country and, and increase uh, domestic happiness? That's kind of what Reagan had in mind. Um, science is kind of leaning towards innate. It's an innate skill, so sorry, Reagan, but we're still not sure. So. I think results in, in 2033, which we'll, we'll have them here first, live and direct on SFG, don't you worry. It's gonna be a great year, 33. But yeah, I've been, um, I've been working on, you know, ensuring that SFG can and will be, be our, our full-time gig, because really, what else would we wanna do? I mean, that's what it comes down to for me. Thinking about, you know, you're supposed to, when you think about careers, you should think about your skills, your desires, your, you know, what, your passions, etc. I mean, I answer all those to SFG, SFG, SFG. So, shouldn't SFG be our career? I think the, the answer is obvious. Um, plus, we need to find that fucking old man. Holy shit. I mean, that's... That's big, we can't leave that out, but we do have to think about ourselves first. Of course, uh, you're the, the, the protagonist in your story, and as important as grandpa is to us, he'd be happy, he's only gonna be happy if we're happy. So we're happy looking for him, and we hope to find him, but it's, it's our journey, it's our journey, and he'd understand that. Um, so that's mostly how I've spent these last few days. I've been researching, I've been tripping and, nope, snipping and trimming. It's very hard for me to say, which I'm gonna have to practice because of course, those are very important broadcaster terms. That's huge in our industry. I mean, that's 60% of it is tripping. God damn it. Snipping and trimming. You know, I, I'm feeling like I might've taken, I might've made the, the, wrong, the wrong choice. Maybe broadcasting isn't for me if I can't say snipping and trimming. But that's something I will have to learn. 
So we've been into, in, in close contact with our sister station about how to take SFG to the next level. Um, I've looked into other sort of, you know, comedic possibilities. I've, I've started to listen to comedians more and, and try to learn from them um, how they started. Uh, there are a couple other podcasts that I've tuned into. Most of them are garbage, but some of them are good. Um, and it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think I, I need to give this a good go. I need to give this my 100%. You know, I think back to those Little League games when I was playing baseball, and that was the main message that I got out of all those coaches. Give it your, your 100% and hustle. So... I don't know if this is a hustle for us. I feel like hustle implies like a, a sprint. This might be more of a marathon, or this might be in between a marathon. This, this might be a 5K or 10K. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do think that those guys are right. You got to give it your all because you, you never know until, until you do. It either fails or it flourishes or something in between. Um, and that's what I think I'm ready to do with, with the search committee. And it would also just be better because I think that, uh, you know, I thought, well, what if I did stand-up? I don't want to do stand-up. It sounds, it sounds terrible. You know, stand, stand up in front of all those people. First of all, I prefer sitting down. I almost always prefer sitting down if I can. Um, I'm one of those guys on, on the metro or on the subway where unless it's like a really old, dying-looking lady, I'm not, give, I'm not standing up to give my fucking seat up, you know? If it's like a six-year-old dude... Just kind of like looking at me. He's got like grocery bags and shit and clearly kind of hunched over and uncomfortable. It's like, hey, man, I prefer sitting down too, you know? I do. Um, so I think this is more our platform. And this is what we've practiced. This is what we're, we're good at, I think. You be the judge, but I think we're good at it. So exciting kind of, you know, it's exciting. It's nerve-wracking a little bit. It's, you know, it's, it's and, and this is what, when I'm a famous broadcaster, and along with ET, of course, and we've found our grandpa potentially, and SFG's a hit, if they interview me and say, hey, we want to do an interview, what was it like when, you know, right before you, you got your big break or when you decided to, to give comedy slash SFG your all? So just refer back to this episode. Just refer back. I mean, the answers are there. I don't need to repeat myself. I'm... I've done this. I've done this. Refer to past Normancito. He has the answers. Because memories are flawed. And that's why this is pure content. This is pure stream of consciousness content. This is how I feel right now. And so if you want to know how I felt before things got big, right when I decided to commit my life to the pursuit of Grandpa, and thus happiness, but Grandpa first... This is what you want to refer to. Don't ask me in 20 years. I'm not going to remember. I have a notoriously poor memory. Has it been the many concussions and potentially the, the extra concussion that I got yesterday, the umbrella concussion? Maybe. I'm not a doctor. But this is, if, if you want how I feel right now, well, you're getting it. So exciting stuff. So that's mostly what we've been doing in Guanajuato. Uh, other notable events. Um, there was a, a fat, disgusting um, woman who came into the hostel fuming, just really angry, looking for um, a laundry service and didn't speak much Spanish. So I was asked by the very nice, and here we go again, hostel cleaning staff to help translate as this woman somewhat berated her. Um, that was uncomfortable, and I, I, of course, when I translate, I said, you know, she's, she's kind of... She doesn't seem like the best person, um, but she's asking in this sort of tone, and you get the tone. That's, that's the good thing about translating. You don't have to translate the tone. You know, this lady was fuming. I think I saw some spittle forming on the, the corner of her mouth. She sounded actually a lot like Lottie. Maybe Lottie is now here, uh, the, the matron, the hostess from the restaurant that, that called our very honest co-host, E.T., a liar. <laughs> She, she called him a liar. And that's, you know, there, there are few rules in the industry, in the restaurant industry, that are more well-known and, and common than 
the guest, the client, the customer is always right. And of course, we don't expect restaurant staff to, to withstand abuse and verbal abuse. There have been times where, you know, I've basically, I've gotten berated as the ex-server that I was. This is when I was serving. And I just said, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't really appreciate you talking to me that way. I'm, we're doing our best here in the kitchen. And, you know, you don't have to always just withstand shitty customers. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't call them liars. You know, even if you're really sure that a customer is a liar, and I'm not sure exactly why Lottie, uh, we might have to peruse her biography a little bit. We might have to go a little deeper on her biography. Um, I'm not sure if on the website it mentioned about her upbringing, her relationships with, with her father or her mother or uh, significant others in her life, if she's been cheated on. Um, I'm not sure how deep into detail the, the biographies on the restaurant's page were, the biographies of the staff. But maybe we should look into it. It might say, Lottie, um, you know, Lottie had a tough, had a tough childhood. She was often uh, made fun of on her softball team for, for being the, the portliest person. And, and she was always catcher. She always had to be catcher. And she didn't want to be catcher. But they said, Lottie, you've got the perfect body for catcher. She said, I don't want to be catcher. I want to be fucking center field. Said, Lottie, you don't have the center field body. So that's where it kind of started with her issues of, of her body image and, and not being fully accepted by who she thought were her teammates. Um, and then maybe in high school, uh, she had kind of issues at home during her parents' divorce, um, and that translated into to bad grades. And Lottie started to have some doubts on whether she was fit to, you know, continue her academic career. She wanted to be an astronaut. Lottie wanted to be an astronaut. She thought that the astronauts, the spacesuit, would be a little bit more um, flattering for her body, and, and it would hide some of those 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 roles, those Lottie roles, as they would call them, in her softball team, and she'd be able to feel a little bit more comfortable in a spacesuit. But now she started doubting that because bad grades, especially in science, which was her passion, and now it might not work. It might not work. So Lottie chooses to take a gap year. She chooses to take a gap year. She was going to go and travel other parts of the world, mostly uh, other parts of the UK. But money was tight. And her mom actually needed her to help around the house and to get a job because, you know, Lottie needed to assume some responsibilities. She works in the restaurant where she finds uh, somewhat of a family that she was missing and a very tight one at that. Um, you know, she becomes really close with one of the sous chefs, uh, Fernando, Fernando the sous chef. Really great guy. They start pretty much immediately dating. They're dating for six months. Lottie thinks this is it. She found the guy of her dreams, and Fernando wants to take Lottie back to Spain, where he grew up, and they want to retire. He's, he's of course, a notable sous chef in Spain, um, and wants to open up a restaurant with Lottie, and kind of have it on the back burner, but they mostly want to just spend their time together on the coast of Spain. Right before, you know, a month before they're going to move to Spain to look for houses, Fernando ends up cheating on Lottie with who? the center fielder of her softball team from when she was a kid. And he said when she confronted him, why the fuck did you do this to me, Fernando? I love you, I love you. He said, she kind of just, I, I've always been more attracted to that center fielder sort of body. And I'm sorry, Lottie, it's, it's nothing personal. And Lottie is destroyed by that. She's destroyed by that and she says, you fucking liar, Fernando, you fucking liar. Fernando moves to the, with the center fielder to Spain where she plays for the national team. She becomes a fucking star. Fernando has an amazing restaurant. Lottie gets reminders on her phone. You know, the, the news, it always comes up with, oh, you know, seven Michelin stars for Fernando, the restaurant in, you know, the Galilean coast or whatever it is in Galicia. I think that's, that's Spain. And, and the center fielder, she's, check out these pictures of the, the skinniest center fielder in Spain. And she gets, she's constantly reminded by this. And then all of a sudden, a tall, dazzling gentleman walks in looking for uh, 
his, his table that he supposedly reserved, and, and he kind of looks like Fernando. He's got that, that tall, dark, and handsome look, but dazzling blue eyes. And Lottie looks up, and she says, do you have a name on the reservation? And Lottie, who had just received a one Caitlin Bentley, who's looking for a table, hears, again, like as if it was an echo in the restaurant. Is that an echo in the pub? She hears this Fernando-looking man, man say, Caitlin Bentley, and it just kind of comes out of her, just bubbles out of her. She looks at him and she says, you liar. And it was all of this. It was the softball team. It was her parents' divorce. It was not being able to be an astronaut. It was Fernando running off with the center fielder. All of this bubbles up, and she doesn't even know why, but it just comes out. She goes, you liar. And that was E.T. receiving Lottie's years and years of, of disappointment and uh, a feeling of, you know, not belonging and failure. So conclusion here is that we need to, we need to look more into that biography. Really appreciate the restaurant uploading on their, on their website biographies of the staff because this is why, this is how we can explain certain behaviors. Of course, we've read Behave. And a lot of it has to do, of course, with all of it, the, you know, the science of the pre, prenatal phases and the early childhood and the childhood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and genes, how genes interact with experiences, but experiences are big. And that's where the biography, the biography could help us. Very exciting stuff. Um, I think I was talking about that, that woman that came in here and was belittling the, the hostile cleaning staff and I had to translate. She didn't end up staying because I guess what she really wanted, she's like, I need to see the laundry room. So that's a weird request. That's very strange. She really needed to see the laundry and needed to do laundry herself. I need to do my laundry myself. I said, we don't have that service. We, we, we do laundry for our guests. We, of course, charge a fair amount. Um, she said, no, I, I need to get out. She was very much like Lottie. She had that little spittle on the corner of her mouth as she was talking. It was, and she was fuming. Um, so I had to translate that. That was one eventful thing. She ended up leaving because she had to do the laundry herself, which was just strange. Um, never really heard that. Usually it's, oh yeah, I'd prefer someone else to do it and dry it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, not this Lottie-like woman. The other somewhat eventful uh, event was, you know, I, I told you a little bit about my blah blah car driver. She was of Russian descent. Um, she was the one who brought me from Guadalajara to Guanajuato. Her parents live in Guanajuato. She lives in Guadalajara. She was brought here. Her family emigrated to Mexico from Russia when she was two years old. So she's Russian looking, but she's Mexican. Um, and she speaks Spanish well, but you can kind of tell it might not be her first language. So it's been a really long time, but like still kind of not her first language. Um, English, she wanted to practice her English with me. Her English was okay, wasn't great. Um, I asked her what she did. She said, I'm a Spanish English translator. I said, oof, that's, that's probably pretty tough for you. Uh, that's what she's studying, two of her non-native languages, but that's a brave move, and I, I respect and appreciate that. She was a terrible driver. Uh, she was late. She, on her blah blah car profile, she said, uh, I hope you don't mind, I'm traveling with my dog, uh, but you won't, even know, you won't even know she's there. I've never, ever known that a dog was there more than this fucking dog. It was a spaz. I loved it, because I love dogs, but you're not gonna know she's even, she's there. That's a crazy thing to say about this dog. This dog, you, walk, you get into the car, it's jumping all over you, it's jumping all over whoever else, it's freaking out, it's barking, it's almost pissed on me. Um, so this, it was a very interesting character, my blah, blah, my blah, blah driver. We didn't really talk too much um, until the other two people that we were taking, she, she dropped off, on our trip, she dropped off two people to Leon, and then I went to Guanajuato with her, and she dropped me off. She said, oh, well, I can't really take you all the way, whatever. She was, she like kind of irked on her responsibility of dropping me off where she should have, et cetera. 
Um, but then she said, oh, but like take down my number. I was getting such mixed messages from her and she was pretty, this girl was pretty. She really was. And I kind of, although I didn't understand it, I kind of liked that, you know, she had a very exotic look for a Mexican because she looks Russian, but she's Mexican. And she was still, her, her Spanish was good. She was still using like little Mexican expressions, you know, the little finger. One of my favorite things about Mexico is that you can say yes or that's right just with your finger. You just make a fist. Listeners, do this with me. You make a fist, you pop out your index finger. And then to say yes, you just kind of bow your index finger. Like it's doing a little bow and it goes down about halfway, but not quite. And you just do that like three or four times. Bow, 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 that means yes. And you know, she was doing that. And I think, I always love that. I fucking love that. That's, that's an instant key to Normancito's heart. You do the fucking finger yes, love that. Um, so I kind of thought she was cute. She, of course, seemed to not really like me that much. Um, I can't take you there, I can't do this, yada, yada, yada. And then right before I get out, she goes, oh, but give me your number, maybe we can go out for a drink tomorrow. And then I get out of the car after giving her my number, and she says, if you, if you liked the ride, give me a five-star rating. And I did, remember, this was the car that I almost, I almost shat myself in, but I did not, um, because I was mostly deterred by that rating I would get if I shit myself, that would not be good for my already kind of um, precarious, precarious blah blah car rating. So that was kind of our interaction. Uh, and in fact, the next day she texted me and she said, hey, it's your blah blah car driver. Um, my friend, I'm hanging out with a friend, girlfriend, but I should be around around 10.30 p.m. tonight. Do you still want to see me? Question mark, winky face, and then like kind of like the, I would call it like, uh, it's like the atrevido, like the kind of risky face with like the showing your teeth, but sideways, like a sideways, it's not a smile, but like, you know, that face, waiting for, your, waiting for my response. And I was like, wait a second, this kind of seems like a call de nalgas, like a booty call. It kind of seemed like a booty call. 10.30 p.m. I guess it's Saturday night, so I'm not sure how late the city is. The city stays open, but it kind of seemed like a booty call. At this point, I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. Um, I kind of have a booty call from this girl, potentially, and my dick wasn't really ready to be put into use, and I'll get into that in a bit. But I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say yes and just see what happens. Uh, it's maybe I'll find, maybe I'll find Grandpa over at her place or wherever I'm going, and at the very least, I'll probably have a story to tell Grandpa, and that's half the battle. So we meet up around 10:30, around my place downtown, and she goes, oh, like, like let's go, let's go get a drink. So we walk around for a while to all these different places. She's like, oh, I don't. I don't really like this place, I don't really like this place, I want a place where we can sit and talk, whatever. We end up going to a terrace, oh, this place is a little too expensive, let's go somewhere else. We, we walked around for about 45 minutes, so we sat down in the first place, had a drink. I had a liter of fucking cocktail. I don't know why, I don't even know what I ordered, but it was a liter of a cocktail, and she ordered a liter of Michelada. So we, we drank that. I think we left when that place was closing. That place closed at like 11.30 or something. And then we went to another place. That place closed at 12.30. So we had one drink there, two drinks there. And then we went to another, we went to about four places. It was a little pub crawl with my blah, blah car driver. Um, we were going by foot though, which was weird. It was weird to see her not behind the wheel. Um, almost didn't recognize her, but we were going by foot to these, these several bars, getting drinks and getting kind of fucked up. Um, in two of those bars, I think in one bar in two different places, I was able to put an SFG sticker. So listeners, if you find in a bar in Guanajuato, and this should be a campaign for all of our stickers. If you ever find one of our stickers, especially south of the southern border, take a picture, send it to us, and you get a fucking prize. We don't know what that prize is yet. Regardless, you're probably not gonna find it for a couple years, but by that time, we'll probably be internationally known, we'll, big, we'll be big, we'll have a bunch of different prizes we can send out. You'll get a fucking prize. So if you find it in Guanajuato, let us know. Um, and then that place closes around two. She said, do you want to get another drink? Like, I, first of all, she was supposed to drive back home. So I didn't know what was going to go on there, but we were getting pretty shit-faced. Um, 
And so we did. We went and got another drink. And then that place closed. It was like three. And then um, she said, okay, I'm going to go home. And I walked her to her car and she left. <laughs> so it was, a very, it was a very strange, very strange occurrence. I texted her, you know, make sure she got home okay, because she was kind of drunk. And she did. Uh, I said, okay, like, you know, I had a good time with you tonight. Um, thanks for everything. Radio silence, no text. She was going back to Guadalajara the next day, Sunday. Um, she said, I'm going back to Guadalajara tomorrow probably, so like, goodbye. Uh, I said, okay, goodbye. And I texted her just being like, okay, fun night, nothing else, goodbye. No response. Until about 15 minutes, uh, BB, before the broadcast today, she texted me, and I quote in Spanish, in her Russian Spanish, hi, I'm back in Guadalajara, I'm still smiling thinking about Saturday. I... I had such, such, such a good time. It was great meeting you. We have to stay in contact. Kisses. So that was interesting. It was a very interesting sort of night. Uh, it was one of those nights where it's like, ah, I, I don't even know. And we had great conversation. We did. We talked about a lot of things. Lots and lots of things. We talked about the protests, Columbia. And she's, she is very smart. She wants to be a writer, too. Um, not sure what language she's going to write in, <laughs> you know. I don't know if she even has a mother tongue at this point. I think she just kind of got hit with got hit with second languages. <laughs> this is tough, but um, really nice girl. Let's see. We are deep into our broadcast. We have not gotten our show notes, but we're ready to do so now. So um, I did want to say, and I hinted at it. Um, oh, there are two more things I want to talk about. I want to talk about my dick and about butt sweat. Start with butt sweat. I have learned a lesson. And I'm not sure if this is normal or if I should go to the doctor, but I sweat profusely from my butt. Not like the hole, not my asshole, just my ass, my cheeks. If I'm sitting down, I'm sweating. And it's not necessarily, has, I think it's like almost always. I mean, last few years I've been pretty much in warm environments um, this whole time. So maybe it is the warmth. But my, if I, if I sit in a car, wherever I touch, like my back and my butt will be sweaty. I'm not sure. Please, listeners, confirm whether this is normal or not. Please let me know. Should I go see a doctor? But I've realized as I've gone sticking stickers that I've put some of them in my back pocket. And I can't do that because I sweat through my pants and I contaminate the sticker with butt sweat. And I wrinkle them up. So... Just learning these things as I'm becoming a new, a new sticker, a new sticker sticker. Um, I stick stickers. That's what I do for a living. I'm a sticker sticker. I've learned that I can't put them in my back pocket. Let me know if that's normal or not. Number two, my dick. My dick's had a tough time in Mexico. It was excited to come here. It was excited. Ooh, wow, Mexico, a new place. Let's see who we meet. And, um, you know, the first person it met was, was DD. Beautiful incredibly intelligent, genius uh, Mexican professor. Ciudad de Mexico. Ooh, very fun. And with a condom. Ooh, yes, safe. That's better. Very happy. My dick was very happy. But then it started going through a, a, a series of trials and tribulations. I think it started with being chafed. My dick was very chafed. And I think this time it was because this was in Puerto Escondido. I think it was because of a bathing suit. It got chafed, and it was kind of, ooh, wow, a little sore. Doesn't really want to see anybody. But at that time, of course, I was getting into what would blossom into be kind of a relationship with DB. And so my chafed dick ended up being rechafed, already a little sore, being rechafed because it had sex with DB. And from the very beginning, this, this dick that was excited to have safe, non-safe, non-chafed sex with DD was now having non-safe, chafed sex with DB. And that was just the beginning. You know, my dick was probably thinking, okay, well, a little, it hurts a little bit, a little bit sore, but and no, no condom, so... But at least she's probably on birth control. Nope, Dick, you're wrong. She was not on birth control. So it was very risky sex, period. Then that chafe recovers. I'm in Guadalajara, and my dick starts having a couple bumps, dick bumps. 
ooh, what's this? This is bad. Herpes, whatever. It starts, you know, it starts going through a bunch of possible things in its, in its little dick brain, and nothing was good. Go to the dick doctor, and the dick doctor says, well, looks like you've got dick mollusks. I'm going to stick a needle in your dick and then get to zapping. And that was traumatic. Maybe the most traumatic dick experience my little dicky has had to date. And now I get to Guanajuato where I'm just chilling in this hostel. And I'm not sure if I'm doing this wrong, but this has happened in the past before. When I haven't jerked off for a long time and I go back to jerking off, sometimes I can chafe my own dick. I can self-chafe my dick. And I've got very sensitive dick skin or something, or I'm just jerking off wrong. Or maybe now, now that I'm older, I need to use lube when I jerk off or something. But I literally hurt my dick jerking off. And so four days ago, I jerked off here. I had a whole hustle myself. I could jerk off wherever I wanted to. I could jerk off in the kitchen. I could jerk off on the couch, wherever. I hurt my dick. And the next day, who calls? But my blah blah car driver for a potential booty call. It didn't end up being a booty call, but my dick's all chafed. Good thing about my dick skin, it recovers quick. It knows it needs to recover. I mean, my whole, my whole body, my whole organism is like, if your dick's hurt, we need to put all energy into recovering that thing. Because that's, you know, I don't know if it's the, the sort of reproductive drive that we have as, as humans. You know, ET would, would talk about our animal instincts right now. But I am recovering quickly. But now I need to reconsider how to jerk off. So let me know if you have any tips, listeners. So those are the last two things we wanted to talk about before getting into our show notes. Um, you know, we wanted to start about with, as we, as we talked, about making SFG into really our blossoming careers um, so that we can just talk for a couple hours a day. And of course, there's other work that we need to do, yada, 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 and publicize and market and whatever, and continue growing our search party and having incredible Patreon memberships and sponsors, etc. Mostly, mostly just want to, I mean, let's be serious. So it, it would be pretty fucking amazing. Um, but it's, it was great hearing E.T.'s own, expe- his, his own expectation, expectations um, for the search party. And they seemed pretty low. And I think that's good. Always set a low bar. Um, you know, E.T. said that we will continue broadcasting uh, until we find out, until we, of course, we're looking for our abuelito. But we'll continue broadcasting until the day we find out he's dead. <laughs> Uh, it's a search part. I mean, once again, if you're, you know, Red Cross or I don't, I don't know who leads these search parties. Sometimes the Coast Guard or whatever. Like, ma'am, we are sorry to hear about your son. His vessel was lost at sea, and I assure you, we will do everything, everything we can, until the day we find out he's dead, <laughs> or. And then they probably compliment that. But remember, ma'am, it's more about the search than it is about the result. And that, that poor mother, that poor mother, ex-mother now. Um, we talked about the Caitlin Bentley identity theft and, and the, the ruckus it caused for, for the staff over at that, that pub slash pizza place. And really just seemed like, I mean, we now know. We know why Lottie reacted the way she did. But just amazing to think that there's such concern over there about about restaurant customer identity theft. Caitlin Bentley, you're a liar. She's right there. Um, but that pub sounded, it sounded pretty amazing, and it should be a stop on our, on our SFG tour once uh, the, the co-hosts are together in England, because there's just, there's just a lot to get into. You know, the pub biographies, uh, the, the concern about identity theft, it's all pretty amazing. Um, we're going to get into a little bit back into the camper van stuff, and, and I'm really glad you got to it. It wasn't a sure thing, of course. We have to figure out the insurance situation, et cetera, et cetera, but you almost didn't even get to the camper van because Gabriel was the one who took you there. And there's some concern. There's some concern from our, the members of our search party. Um, you know, Gabriel's an important character in the SFG family, and not only because of his role as, you know, a, a really good guy, although a very intense sports fan, but also in the relationship that he has with our sister station, our sister station's biological sister. 
you know, he's her significant other, and that's important. But also, he's going to be father to our sister station's nephew and niece spudlings, set to drop June 2021. Very exciting. But this guy needs to learn how to fucking drive, because he's going to be driving, there are going to be spudlings in the back. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. I, we'd hate to lose E.T., but we would hate, we'd really fucking hate to lose the spudlings. So figure that out. Figure that out. Give them some lessons or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to think about the future that that camper van has uh, for SFG, for us personally, um, for that little French mechanic who's going to repair it in the French countryside when it inevitably breaks down um, and when he inevitably, inevitably recognizes our voices as the voices of the leaders of the search party. I mean, he, he probably met Grandpa back in the war. I don't know. I mean, Fran France was being invaded. They fought too, didn't they? I don't fucking really know what France did. Um, but I think they were allies. I think they were allies. And uh, he probably met Grandpa, you know, in, in a bunker at some point and thought, this guy's amazing. He's adventurous. He's one little, one negative thing about him is that every time I talk to him, I turn around, he's gone. He's elusive. Of course, that's a huge character trait for Grandpa, and that's why we're looking for him. But uh, it'll be a pleasure to sign some radios for him, of course. And as we talk about increasing the search party, um, we need dogs. We need dogs. We need dogs in every aspect of our lives. And now that the search party is becoming the number one aspect of both of our lives, no, no, no brain, no brainer. And of course we have the chair of the dog committee uh, of the search party, which is just as important of a chair as, as any other. That's Rafito. He's got his, his, his vice president in Darcita, but she's, she's kind of on thin ice. She's had some, she's been reprimanded in the past. She's a little bit spazzy, but maybe we can channel that. And Ralph's good at channeling that energy towards the greater good of the search party. Um, you asked for an update on the tunnels here in Guanajuato, and my update is, is pretty much the same. They exist. They exist, and people love them. Um, I walked through one of them. It was about what I expected, a little bit darker than the non-tunnel part of the city. Um, did a cool kind of effect with the sound, like shoo, you know, but basically it's, it's just a tunnel. Uh, and I'm not really sure why there's so many tunnels. This is a very historic place. I didn't go on like a, a tour. I kind of regret not kind of going on a tour. I did read some, a couple things, read a couple plaques on, on buildings, but, you know, Hidalgo, who's a very important figure in, uh, in Mexican history, um, he even named a state after himself, Hidalgo. I think he gave his cry for independence right, right down the street in Dolores, and then he came here and whatever, and this was a revolution, and yada, yada, yada. They chopped off his head. And they displayed his chopped off head in a building that I went to yesterday. And that looked, I mean, it looked like a perfect building to display chopped off head. It was a very Baroque, dark looking building. And uh, it made total sense. Yeah, if you chop off a dude's head and you want to display it somewhere in a glass case, that's the building for you. Um, our, our, I forget why he got into it, but our, our co-chair and sister station, ET, did talk about wet dreams. And wet dreams is an interesting phenomenon. And they came up about two months ago for me. I didn't have a wet dream, but I talked about wet dreams with on the Acapulco trip, the birthday Acapulco trip. Um, someone, one of the, I think both of the girls angrily said, when someone said something about a wet dream, they said, oh, guys don't even think girls can have wet dreams, but they can. I said, okay, well, noted. I'm sorry that men in the past made you feel like you weren't getting the wet dream recognition that you deserve as a, as a, as a sex, women. Um, but tell us about that. How does that work? Yeah, we can have orgasms in our dream too. Okay, that's good. I don't know if that means that there's squirting involved. I don't think so. I think their wet dreams are pretty dry. Um, I think it's just an orgasm. Of course, not all orgasms. I actually don't really know that distinction. I know there, squirting's its own thing. I'm not even sure, supposedly, you can squirt and not have an orgasm. You can squirt and have an orgasm. You can have an orgasm and not squirt. There are all different sorts of combinations. But you can have a wet dream, and maybe those are the same combinations. You can have a wet dream and not squirt, but orgasm. You can have a wet dream and squirt, but not orgasm. I don't know how it works for women, so our, our female listeners, please, 
reach out to us. Uh, we're looking for answers. We're, we're trying to improve. You know, we don't want women to be angry because we don't recognize that they too can have wet dreams. That, that would be unfair. Um, but, but yeah, I appreciate... Um, I, I've definitely had wet dreams. It's been a while. I did have... When I was dreaming... And I had, I had orgasms in my dream, like banging a girl. And this was all when I was kind of young, but not that young. Maybe 15 or 16. Um, I'm not sure when my last wet dream was. I'll have to check my, my wet dream diary, my dream, di- <laughs> dream journal. You know, you know, some people, like, especially when people are trying to you know, analyze their dreams or learn how to control them, to lucid dream, it's recommended you have a germ, dream journal. Um, I wonder if they like highlight the ones, or if they just put little like um, little water drops next to the ones. Like, oh, that was a wet one. Um, but I, I have had some sort of uh, orgasm in a dream, and then woken up and it, having a little jizz patch there. So, but I'm not sure. I'm no expert in this. It's been it's been many years since I've had a wet dream, and I'm I'm overall hoping to continue that streak because I think they're mostly embarrassing. But what can you do? I was just dreaming, hey. Um, we did really appreciate E.T.'s uh, analogy of hostile guests treating um, these places like they're just fucking in college. They're kids in college and they can do whatever they want. They can throw up in any sink and yes, I raise my hand, I acknowledge that I made a mistake in terms of, uh, you know, I threw up Christmas Eve in the sink, and someone had to clean that. That was terrible, and I wouldn't do that on any other Christmas Eve or any other date. But, um, but yeah, people just treating these hostels like fucking colleges. And, of course, E.T. has seen the movies about college, so he can, can reflect on that, and I would say that that's, that's a correct analogy. So, um, And then just finishing up, talking about um, how, of course, as we change, so too will SFG, um, potentially. And that's kind of what's so interesting about this sort of format of podcast, because we're just talking about ourselves, our lives, uh, the people in it. We're streaming our consciousness. It's a live stream. And of course, live things change. So, so do live streams. And we have changed in the last four years, five years since we've met each other. We've changed immensely. I mean, I've had crazy, uh, important, significant experiences in my life that I can point to um, involving my time in Colombia with my ex formerly known as Wilmita, that have changed me incredibly. Um, and it's very interesting. It's interesting to see these changes. So in five years' time, when we go on that CNN interview about how we revolutionized the marketing game with our bathroom stickers. Very crunchy leaf. You hear that? That was the crunchiest leaf of all time. That was fucking satisfying. Um, When we're on that interview, they might ask, well, it's very interesting because if we listen to every episode of your broadcast, and now there are thousands, we can note as listeners and as members of the search party the changes that you have gone through. You reflect upon them. Sometimes we'll just kind of pick up on them before you do. And and that's an important thing. That's a very important thing. And it's an important part about our broadcast, our lives, and the lives of our listeners. We change. And I think especially in this time period of our lives, late 20s and early 30s, it's a time of immense change. And we're becoming the the real grown adults that we want to be. And of course, we'll change after that too. So, very good stuff. Let me just finish up here with something that you've all been waiting for, and that is Normancito's measurements. I'm going to give you my stats. I am about 182 centimeters, okay? About six feet. And that would make me, actually that wouldn't make me because it's a completely different scale uh, I'm going to tell you my weight. I'm about 11.8 stones, almost 12 stones. I am kind of lighter than I potentially should be. I don't know. I, what it is, and I've talked about this, is that I might have a muscular upper body, but my lower body has no muscle. And that's where you really kind of get your 
your weight up. But I don't work out my legs because I can't be fucking bothered and because I have suffered from leg injuries in the past. So I'm really not that heavy of a guy. I might, I might be kind of more, I think I'm probably over 12 stones now, uh, you know, 170 something pounds. But that's about it. I have to now run because I am going to somehow get to, I mean, I'm very loyal to Blah Blah Car now. And, you know, although my Blah Blah Car driver, I, I've had two Blah Blah Car ratings. I have a 4.5 rating right now. I had the first girl who rated me a four, that fucking bitch. And then I had Raider who rated me a five. Raider the Raider. He's a high Raider, that Raider. Gotta love him. You know who hasn't rated me at all? The girl who said that she's still smiling because of our date on Saturday. I said, well, you, you better fucking, it better translate into a rating. You know, I was kind of worried about that before when I thought this might be a fucking uh, booty call. I said, but what if I bang her? I go in there with a chapped dick, a chafed dick. She thinks it's probably an STD. She hasn't rated me yet. If she, if something bad happens and she thinks, oh my God, that's a disgusting dick. I'm going to put that in my blah, blah car rating. I could get a three, a two or a three. He didn't shit my car, but I fucked him. I tried to fuck him and he had a chafed dick, presumably because he doesn't know how to jerk off. And that would really crush my score. So I have to go now. I'm very allegiant to Blah Blah Car. So I'm going to get a Blah Blah Car. But since there wasn't one directly from where I'm going to where I'm going, I need to go to like a different town like 40 minutes away, which I have no idea how to do. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, our next broadcast will be from a new place, a new time zone, a new state, and a new city. And until then, stay tuned. We very much appreciate your support. And, well, frankly, we love you. Stay tuned.